1: Welcome to First Bite, brought to you by Pride of Detroit and the Pride of Detroit POD cast. This is the sister part of the POD cast, even though it's all on the same feed, it's all under the same roof, and but we just do this because we like to make things difficult for ourselves. <laughs> I am uh, Christopher Fett, your adequate host and the producer and multimedia editor at Pride of Detroit. As with me always is Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, editor in charge, fearless mustache. At Detroit Online on Twitter, Jeremy, as always, Chris the mustache. Yes,
0: <laughs> how's it going, Chris? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that right there is the man of the hour. On first bite, this is a uh, this this is our usually our interview podcast, and on um, this one's a little bittersweet, but we're very happy for the man going on to big things. But uh, we're gonna miss having him around all the time to make his life as as you just heard uncomfortable. And interesting. <laughs> and that's uh that's Michael Rothstein from ESPN. Mike, man, uh for those of you who haven't caught the news, Mike is joining us. He's been a longtime ESPN beat writer for the Detroit Lions. And he just announced the other day on Twitter that he is going down to Hot Atlanta. He's gonna be starting uh when when are you starting the Atlanta Falcons beat? Like
2: uh school? two days ago. No, I so I, yeah, no, I started uh I started on Monday. Covering the Falcons, I had been doing both for a couple of weeks in free agency. So, for those who don't know, very I'll, I'll cover this very quickly, and it's probably the first thing I would want to talk about anyway. Uh, so, the job opened up because Vaughn McClure, who is was unfortunately um, fantastic beat writer, a guy I'd known for a long time, uh, incredibly well respected in the NFL. Incredible beat writer, incredible person. He, uh, an ESPN colleague, he died during last season. And uh, that, you know, unfortunately created a vacancy. So it's, you know, it's bittersweet too for that, that the job even opened, that the opportunity was even there. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to mention Vaughn at the top because, you know, my goal there is to just kind of live up to what Vaughn did every day because that's how well-respected he was in Atlanta and, and I know I have some very big shoes to fill there that is going to take some time and I'm hoping I'm able will do it. Uh, but he's, you know, I have all the respect in the world. I, he, he's an excellent reporter. And basically I always in my head said, you know, I want to report like Vaughn and, uh, that, you know, he, he's kind of always been with me in that aspect, especially the last few months. And I, I referenced this on Twitter. Uh, but he, um, There was a time I was getting ready to get out of the business. It was pretty close Uh, in the mid 2000s. I just wasn't happy with with a lot of things that were going on, and uh, personally and professionally. And he was one of the people that actually pulled me aside and said, "No, like man, you're you're good at this. Like you should stick around. Like you know, don't don't give up on this." And uh, you know, here I am now. So uh, I'm just very grateful to Vaughn and and his memory. And uh, if anyone wants to, feel free to donate to the Vaughn McClure Foundation. Uh, which is set up through Northern Illinois, where he went to college to, uh, you know, really h- kind of help college journalists and help student journalists. So I didn't mean to get this started on kind of a, a sad or dour note, but I figured it would come up of, of how all this came about. And that was, you know, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. I'm really excited about it, but obviously it's, it's bittersweet because of, uh, the reason why the job is open.
1: No, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic reason I got. And yeah, Jeremy, if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, Jeremy, I uh, hand it off to you as you are directing our, our viewers there to the Von McClure, the, the Von McClure Foundation.org.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Mike, I I, I, I want to say that you, you've you built a, a similar legacy here in ESPN, I, I, in Detroit, I should say, um, because you, you've been on, how, how long have you been on the lines? B? Nine years? Eight. Eight, eight years, seasons, eight years. Eight, Almost eight, made it to Eight, 10. eight, eight, eight years, years
2: <laughs> 12 years in Michigan. It'll be, uh, when I move, it'll be just shy of 12 years in Michigan, uh, but mm. it was eight seasons on the Lions beat. Three head coaches, three general managers. <laughs> uh, I guess technically two quarterbacks, a whole bunch of wide receivers, sort of. offensive linemen and every other position. <laughs> so and you, you, one, technically one equipment manager, Tim O'Neill hey how many is how many long snappers one yeah mm-hmm. although they tried mm-hmm. well technically three they tried they tried With uh with jimmy land the great jimmy landis, landis out and, of baylor uh, yeah and <laughs> six and, round draft and tech. steven wordle now i will say this jimmy landis for as short of a time as he was around actually provided great content because he was all about like doing dude perfect long snaps i don't know if jeremy remembers that and uh oh, he was actually he and he was friends with he was in like johnny menzel's circle as well and that was when everything was going on with johnny so he was somebody that you would talk to and ask about johnny because you know he knew him and and right. there was a relationship there so no I, I think i wrote more jimmy landis stories than i you know, than I anticipated probably ever doing when he was drafted. But uh, I think I remember a short time. I think I wrote three, if I remember correctly. (laughs) I think I remember it
1: might have been one of yours. It might have been from someone else, because I do remember a Jimmy Landis video where he does long snap off, like the top, the the nosebleed bleachers in Baylor Stadium into like a garbage can.
2: Oh no! But that, I can tell you. I think everybody wrote that because that came up after he was drafted. So after a player is drafted, you get like ten minutes with them on a. I guess now it's a Zoom call, but it was right. back then. It was just a teleconference a where everybody point, would stand yeah. around like the you know weird conference microphone thing, in the, it was, it, <laughs> and it, it, nobody it would was nobody mute a, your phone. No, there would be no muting of your phone. Uh, <laughs> but it was a very interesting situation. But he just would start telling. He just started telling stories about being a long snapper and about the dude perfect stuff. And I think every single person wrote it because it was like, yeah, I mean, this is the most interesting you're going to get out of a long snapper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, but kind of looking back on your career here, like that, those were kind of the kind of stories that seem, you seem drawn to like the, the personal interest stories more so than maybe the the analytical stuff. And I thought you, you did a great job of that. And I was going to get into a different question, but we have this question from a chat that I feel like I have to address. It's from someone named, R.K. Kasky. I wonder who that could be. And he asks, hey, Mike, who's your favorite fired Lions running backs coach?
2: I know who this person is, so I feel like just, just so I can maybe get uh, an angry message, I'll say, "I th- was Curtis Modkins fired? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, um, Kyle Kasky, by the way, is... Is a fantastic coach, uh, and I'm not just saying that because I think that that's who is asking that question, either hit actually him or someone pretending to be him. But no, Kyle Kasky is a fantastic running backs coach. If you look at what he's done, I mean, what he did with DeAndre Swift, what he did in Cincinnati, uh, I have I have all the confidence in the world that he'll end up back back in the league or back coaching sooner rather than later, and and he should. I mean, I think he's a you know he's a really good coach, and I, I and that's not just me saying this here. That I was saying that during the season. I was saying that last season, I was saying that before they hired him. Yeah. Uh, if you remember way yeah, back when, a couple years back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but <laughs> my original question was going to be like, just <laughs>
0: maybe a, a favorite story that you have. One of those personal pieces, maybe something that came up unexpectedly or something that you just thought was, um, you know, maybe one of your your finest works or, or interesting stories uh, in throughout those eight years.
2: Man, there, it's funny. I've thought a lot about that um, just because there's, been a lot of of stories that have impacted me one way or the other. Whether it's uh, getting to know somebody a lot better, uh, you know, getting a player who maybe wasn't willing to necessarily open up about something to talk to me about things. Uh, Travis Swanson would come to mind pretty quickly because he talked to me about uh, you know his friend who died at Arkansas and uh, his father-in-law who had died and and how he wrote. You know their name, like he had their initials on like tape, and like nobody knew it. Nobody knew it, and you know he trusted me to tell that story, and it actually was the start of, and what ended up being a, a pretty good relationship with with Travis that uh, I'm grateful remains to this day. He was a uh, frequent popper in person to my Instagram pregame chats, um, <laughs> usually with usually something about Joe Doll. Um, so who knows what was really, uh, yeah, but. that that was one that that stands out off the top of my head uh but there were so many players that i'm just so grateful that they were willing to trust me with their stories whether it was something very emotional or very serious or it was something more fun like the series of stories that i've told on brandon copeland who is now with the atlanta falcons by the way uh so mm. you know that that I have a ch- I have a chance to maybe tell a couple more Brandon Copeland stories because there are more Brandon Copeland stories. He's to me one of the more interesting players in the NFL. But you know, like going with Romeo Aquara yep. to rescue two, um, yep. that was a story that was very meaningful to me because. I grew up, for those who don't know, I grew up in New York. I grew up on Long Island. And, you know, Rescue 2 is one of the firehouses that was impacted so much by 9 11. And seeing what Romeo had done and getting to know some of the firefighters that were there and also spending a day in a firehouse with Romeo Aquara was was really awesome. And that was a story that really stood out to me. Uh, if I had to pick one, it, it would probably be the Armonte Bryant stories, though, because that, and I've said this before. That and I've said it on Twitter, Like, I try to tell issue stories that are about real life. And for Amante Bryant, Amante Bryant was retired. He was long gone from the Lions, but for those who don't remember, he had, to, he had to retire. He was briefly with the Raiders and they found that he basically had kidney failure. And so he went from uh, being, being potentially on the Raiders to dialysis at age, what was he, 27, 28 in three months. And he was in a bad way and a bad shape. And his wife was pregnant with their first kid, Oz, oh, cute kid. Um, and they didn't know what to do. Like they put all their money in this gym that now that the plan was for him to work at it in the off season. And like, as a kid's gym, which is actually now open at San Diego. And, uh, but they'd done it in Texas. And they just, you know, like everything in their life came crashing apart and they, I had found out about that story because he had posted something on Instagram in October. Just I had retired from the NFL, I'm on, dia- on dialysis, uh, and I had saw something from that of like, hey, we, we need to raise money to try and get Armante Brian a kidney. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? So I called, I forget if I Instagram messaged or I, I found a phone number for someone close to him and I called and they called me back while I was in the locker room. Uh, so I called them back and then didn't hear from them. They never called me back. And I called a couple other times, just kind of checking in. And then one day I was just sitting at home in January, uh, kind of trying to figure out stories I want to tell. And I was like, you know what, let me reach out here again. I I want to kind of just see what's going on. And so I reached out and his wife, Kim, uh, actually got back to me. Kim's from, Kim turns out is from Long Island. We grew up not all that far from each other. And uh, I'm a little older than her, but we ended up talking and She was like, Yeah, we'll talk to you. Like, we want to tell our story. And that story ended up being a story that Armani Bryant basically said, I need a kidney. And the response that came to that story from fans, from random people, uh, to, to the Bryants and to me, I had, I don't even know, 50 to 100 people maybe reach out saying, Hey, how do I donate? How, you know, or, okay, I didn't really know much about organ donation until this story. Like, Even if I'm not a match for for Armonte, I want to go out and try and, and help save someone's life uh, by donating a kidney or donating an organ. And um, that was by far the most emotional story I think I've told in my career. And then a year later, Armani Bryant got a kidney. And I was actually supposed to fly out to San Diego and I was going to spend part of the rehabilitation process after with him. And then uh, as we all know, COVID hit and the world changed. So that was no longer an option. And uh, instead we had to do it over, we talked over Zoom, but like I had been in touch with them for months at that point and we knew that he was in a good spot, but you know, they, they believe very much that He got a kidney because of that story because they it was an anonymous donor. I don't think they know the name who the donor is yet. Um, and I don't either, but it was an anonymous donor, a living donor, which is rare that it's an anonymous living donor. And, uh, you know, it it saved Armani Bryant's life and gave him his life back. And, uh, I mean, I still like. Like I, I, I'm being measured in how I speak right now, and, and to not get a little emotional because it's it's a it, it's a real it's something real. Like you really affected somebody's life, and you you changed someone's life. And so to me, that's probably the story that that stands out the most because of the impact that it had on one person, or Monty Bryant potentially. You know, and we don't know whether that story got him a kidney or not. We we, we really I don't you know, I, and and I haven't heard from the the bryants to tell me that they now know who it is and that it did um although i've been in decent touch with them still to this day um but that story just it it raised awareness for organ donation which is something really important and i'll be straightforward i'll be completely Straightforward. Um, I decided to become an organ donor because of that story. Not, I haven't not I'm not a living organ donor. Uh, I haven't done that. But like I, that was not something I had done. That's not something in uh, the religion I'm in. That's necessarily, uh, you know, there there are questions about that um, with the religion I'm I am. But I was like, you know what? No, this is important, and it's because of what I learned about organ donation through telling that story um so it impacted me as well and you know who knows if it you know who, who knows what that story did i don't i mean maybe you know people just reached out and never got tested or anything like that but you just don't know but the fact that it raised that awareness for something that's really important uh it, it can save real lives like that that was that was really uh impactful and so i've told a lot of cool stories like i mean i got to You know, tell stories about finance, Ryan Broyles and Clover Quinn, and you know, brand and all the Brandon Copeland finance stories. But, but that one, you know, telling telling Trey Flowers' story recently, um, you know, about his family and Selma and talking to his uncle, you know, uh, about like actually marching, and uh, all those stories were awesome, and and I'm so grateful that people trusted me to tell them, but. That Armani Bryant story was was one that I will never forget. To me, right now, so far in my career, it's the most important story I think I've ever told. He
0: is
1: Mike Rothstein. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Before a couple notes before we do, if you are watching live on YouTube or Twitch, I think Mike, uh, we want to have Mike take your questions about you know his experience with the Lions, covering all of that. Uh, On the other side, I also want to ask him a little bit about his uh, coverage in boxing because, you know, I'm from Toledo, Jared Anderson, Robert Easter Jr., great boxing city. I love I love all that stuff. Baby Baby Anderson's fantastic. He's coming up. But uh, real quick, before we do go to break, we do have a request from YouTube. Crappy channel asking uh, Mike if he would if he could please sit up straight.
2: That's fair. You know, I was to this. Okay. I I'm am I'm, I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, I will I will say this. Um COVID has actually really done damage on my posture because I I sit on cou- I largely sit on couches and I sit in uh, comfortable club chairs and it's I'm and I'm hunched over like typing, you know. It's yeah, COVID has messed with my posture, so I actually lately have been very focused on sitting up Straight
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave that story We'll leave that story for people's uh, amusement there But we're taking a quick break And we'll be right back on First Bite With Atlanta Falcons beat man Mike Rothstein One second here And we're back here on First Bite. Michael Rothstein joining us at Mike Rothstein on Twitter. He is the new Atlanta Falcons beat writer for ESPN. And we're saying goodbye to him from all of his time, all of his eight years, wonderful eight years in Detroit. And we do have some listener questions here. Conrad 66 on our Twitch chat wants to get specific with you on um, maybe a game that was a little weird. I know for me, watching weird and just not even as a fan but just like what what is this game he wants to ask you what it was like covering the lions eagles snowball game and i
2: believe that was 2013 oh, man. <laughs> oh, was that 2013 right. or was that 2012 i i forgot no it was, i covered it so it was 2013 yeah. uh because yeah. i didn't cover. my first year was covering was 2013 it, so that was your first year and you had to cover that snowball wait was that tw- germ yes. okay so yeah here, yeah but okay. so they didn't make it the
0: playoffs all, that year for sure. Right. It all yeah. it
2: all blends together. I couldn't remember whether whether it was 13 or 15. Um, so that game was oh man, that was wild. Because so I remember taking a cab to the link from my hotel. And it is it was not snowing, it was like a cloudy day. You're like, all right, like I think this was fairly early. This was not fairly early in the season, but it was like they were like still viable for the playoffs at that point. But then all of a sudden, you just kind of you looked outside it was maybe, I don't know, 11, 11: uh, right around maybe when active, inactives came out, and it went from being just cloudy, a cloudy, gray northeast day that I grew up with so many of those in my life, and you're like, you can't see out the, out the press box. Like, you, what was what going on? And then you can't see the field and you can't see the numbers and you can't see anything and you had no idea what was going on and then if you remember right so it had to be 2013 because like Reggie Bush got hurt. Yeah. If you remember in pregame warm-ups. and that was after inactive so they couldn't do anything about it. Right. And you're like okay this is going to be something different and then you just like they were like shoveling the 5-yard lines like you couldn't tell anything. That was I had forgotten about that game, <laughs> like until just now. But now I'm just like, oh yeah. I mean, that game was was wild. Like you did you like kicking was just impossible. And Jeremy right. Ross, if you remember, had a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown. In large yep. part, Jeremy Ross was a really good returner, by the way. But that was in large part because you couldn't really kick. Like and and so there was more of an advantage there obviously the iconic picture from that game is the calvin johnson, calvin calvin johnson, johnson yeah. having all the snow in there but i remember talking to players i couldn't tell you what they said like that's like in my brain the recesses in my brain it's gone but uh i remember talking to players after that game in the locker room in you know, in the link and just they were talking about how cold it was and how like some of it was really fun but also how miserable the experience was yeah like that was that was a really weird game to cover because you also just couldn't see a lot of what was going on and you didn't really know for me it, it kind of brought me back to covering high school football when you couldn't always read numbers you couldn't always read yard lines and you're just kind of like all right this is happening thankfully they have actual stats so that helps but it was that was a uh that was that was a game that was one of those games that like in that you don't think about very often, but it was certainly memorable. Uh I thought that question was gonna go somewhere else. But yeah, that snow game was was <laughs> certainly something without a doubt. Like that was something that I had I mean, I think if it was a better game between two teams that were more uh, you know, involved in the postseason that year and et cetera, et cetera, that I think that game might have gotten more attention still more, you know, more later on. Okay. Ben, and it did. Uh, good question here from Brennan. Uh, Cause I think a big part of
0: being a beat writer is kind of the relationships you build with your coworkers. He asked, what was your favorite press room
2: moment with the other beat writers? Ooh, I don't know if I can violate the sanctity of the press room. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Right. I, I will say that lions fans are very fortunate in that. I'm going to completely punt on this question. Lions fans right. are very fortunate. You can do this. You, you can, know, you can I, should, totally, I should be a Mike yeah. Rothstein and, and be like, well, let me ask it a different way. You can. You can. not <laughs> just answering. Just let us, just <laughs> let us know. Because you're not even letting me answer the question. Just, just um, let us know that Justin Rogers is just a filthy animal. Just, no, just get it out No, Justin Rogers there. is awesome. Uh, no. <laughs> what? Lions fans are very fortunate, and I said this when I was saying my goodbyes. But like, Lions fans are very fortunate in that there are a lot of talented people in this press corps. Like, and and they all do different things really well. And it it was a it was a tough beat. It was a tough beat to be on. It was a competitive beat um, where you had to really find your niche. And uh, I, I'm grateful to have maybe I think hopefully found that. But it, it's. There's a lot of talent a lot of writing talent, a lot of reporting talent on that beat. And uh it's uh, you know, it, it's one I'll miss. Uh, I will miss the competition for sure. And and there's a you know, I, I think that Detroit fans should be very, very thankful for for that because I think that you don't always see that on every beat uh out there. And that's that would be my answer as far as but a funny press room moment. Yeah, all right, I got one. Nice. So uh this was Jim Caldwell's Last season, I don't know, Jeremy, if you were in the press room at no, this point. I the point. Okay. No, I missed the Caldwell so, seasons. So, Jim Call, it was Jim Caldwell's last season, and we, there were a couple of reporters. I, I knew what was going on, but I, I didn't have anything to do with like the actual portion of this. But basically, I forget what Caldwell used to always say, but basically, of that nature, no, with that, yes, he said things of that nature and check the report, and it might have been off of like a check the report thing, but. I think it was Justin had brought in an abacus and like pulled out the abacus to like do math about one of the questions and like Caldwell, (laughs) yeah was pretty stoic on the podium, right? Like that was not the Jim Caldwell that you saw off the podium. Like the Jim Caldwell off the podium was is is a I think it's the guy that you've seen in podcasts lately when he's done them, like a very friendly, funny guy. It, kind of that pop, that Caldwell you saw in 2014 when he would just go off into a story for 10 minutes, um, but he got such a kick out of that abacus, and I, I that was that was one that was maybe my favorite one because he just he kind of like he loosened up for a moment and he laughed and it was it was just really really it was a fun, that was a lighthearted yeah. moment. Um, I do, I do remember that. And I do want to say, I found the clip already.
0: So for our live audience that we'll play it at the end of the show.
2: Yeah, I was, that was, that was a good fun one. I mean, listen, there are, there have definitely been some, some <laughs> press conference quotes uh, that have <laughs> happened, uh, you know, that obviously everyone knows, you know, the big one of mine, but like, that but yeah that one i think was a fun that was a press that was that was a good one all right um i've got some atlanta based questions if you're ready for this i Um, do but i'm going to say this um i'm giving a preface here that i've told people in atlanta radio the same thing i am not up to speed to where i want to be on the falcons yet so i if i say hey listen i don't feel like i can answer that question with any sort of authority just understand that going in i'm still very much learning and in a learning curve uh spot with the falcons
1: oh oh no trust me i'm not going to grill you like 20 questions on the state the falcons right now okay. i guess these are like th- these are like goals for you when you're going down okay. to It's like what what's what's going to be like the big thing you want to learn about the falcons this year like what what kind of a story are you like really hoping to just just dig deeper into or just from your surface knowledge of the falcons you want to expand on first.
2: Yeah, I mean I think there's a lot there. Um Arthur Blank is is somebody who really intrigues me uh as an owner as as owners tend to do. Uh, I'm always I always seem very fascinated by sports owners. He's a very public one too, yes. Yeah, and he is. Much more public than Sheila Ford hamp for instance who, you know, I when I wrote about her no one had ever written about her before. Right. Um, period. And then, you know, so he, that's that's someone I'm very curious to see how things go with Matt Ryan this year because there is, even though they did restructure him, uh, I do think that there is some uh, correlation or that might not be the right word, but between his situation and what Matthew Stafford went through last year and, and would have maybe gone through this year had they kept him around or had he decided to stay with the possibility of maybe, you know, having your replacement taken. We'll see what happens at number four. So I think that that's going to be really interesting because Matt Ryan's a very talented quarterback who's very well respected. Um, and I'm really just looking forward to learning the city, learning the team, learning how how things operate in the city, because I think every city has its quirks to its team that it, its football team. I think you see that in Detroit. I think you see that in, in many places. And I think in a lot of places it's different. And uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning that stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a story I know I really want to dig in on yet. And I don't know if, if there will even if there was that I would give that away because I am a competitive person. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really excited to learn a lot about the Falcons, and I think they're going to have a lot of new players on their roster and obviously a few stars that I'm really excited to kind of learn more about uh, in Matt Ryan and Julio and uh, Grady Jarrett and Dion Jones. Uh, Matt Ryan, interestingly enough, I had written about him way back when he was at Boston College because they would always play Notre Dame, and uh, he had he he was friends with a guy who played basketball at notre dame while uh he was at boston college so i actually had written about matt ryan i think that was back in like 2007 if my memory serves correctly
0: it's kind of interesting that you're landing in atlanta a team that's going through a lot of the same things that the lions are going through with the new gm (laughs) a new head coach and and yeah the lions already made the the switch at quarterback but it does seem like that's coming uh so soon down the pipe with with the Falcons, whether, I mean, they could potentially draft a quarterback this year. It doesn't really seem like that's necessarily in the cards, but it might happen. Nah,
1: they're um, they're going to get ahead of, of Ryan Matthews' hope for the pit stop. <laughs> okay.
2: I mean, I we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, I think that they're in a position where they're, I mean, to me, I think that they have the talent on the roster, potentially that they could make a run at stuff. I think that there's sure. definitely some questions in that, in the NFC South, you know, what, what does Carolina really look like? What is the post Drew Brees era in new Orleans? And then, you know, does Tom Brady, con- Tom Brady continue to, um, do the impossible and, and beat father time. And that's you insane. Know, they I, bring back every starter. and They do. It's, I mean, they've been brought insane. back. Soon. I've never heard of it. They brought back yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, so it's, it's a really interesting division with a lot of storylines. And I think one of them is, you know, what, do the Falcons look like this year? Because if Matt Ryan plays well and Julio Jones plays well, well, you have less of an impetus to move on from them, especially if you win. Because, uh, you know, I think if you win, then why would you move on from those guys, especially because they just restructured Matt Ryan's contract. So that probably means that they want to be tied into, that they could be tied into him in 2022 as well. And then you kind of see where you are from there.
0: I want to I kick it back to Lions really quick here because i got a couple yeah, more sure. questions coming in here. Um, and I'm, I'm going to kind of bounce off this question. Joshua Mercer asks, well, who, who is your favorite Lions player you've ever had the privilege to interview? And I'm going to also tack on that. Who is maybe someone that Lions fans would be surprised to hear is maybe more entertaining or more, uh, you know, has more personality than maybe he showed while he was here or if he's still here? Yeah,
2: that's a good question because, I mean, there are so many guys that I talk to um, that that were really interesting, you know, and they, they weren't always the stars, right? Because like Matthew Stafford is, you kind of see what what he is on the podium. He's he's really Matthew Stafford was when he was with the Lions, like very you know you didn't really get a lot out of him. But I always enjoyed when you could maybe have a couple conversations with him. Like sometimes on Fridays in the locker room, he'd just hang out and you'd talk to him, and he was way way better. And I had written a couple of long pieces on Matthew where I got to know the people in his circle and uh that was super interesting because he would he actually would share a little bit more because he was it was clear that I had learned a lot more about him. <laughs> uh but I I will say I'm I'm gonna pick three and I'm gonna pick these three in hopes that no no one else is listening. Um Brandon Copeland would be one. Uh and I'm not just saying that because I'm covering him again in Atlanta, but uh he's somebody that I've written a lot about. I mean, he's very he's very, very interesting. He's Forbes 30 under 30. He's an, an editor at Kiplinger's. He's a college professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Like that 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 I mean that, that's awesome from a story perspective. Like there's just a lot a lot there. And he's a really he's a does a lot in the community too that maybe doesn't get noticed. Um on the more recent vintage, I would say Romeo Aquara I think Romeo Aquara is the most interesting player on the Lions. I think I've said that the last few years. I th- he isn't always willing to share that but when you when he is willing to talk and talk about some stuff. And I've written some bigger stories about Romeo. Like we talked about going to you know rescue two and really even about his breakout year. Uh, you know, and we're, and I was talking to one of his friends about how like, well, they had got kegs and to lift, you know, like, and, and <laughs> that fire pits, because they had to do what you had to do would go in right. and, you know, when you got to do what you have to work with, as I stare at like my 20 pound weights and like my 30 pound resistance, man, <laughs> my, my living room. And, like, so he would be another one that that I think was somebody I really enjoyed. And then going back in the day, Reggie Bush was somebody who you could talk to him about anything. You could ask him about anything and he would give you it, an answer and he would never shy away from it. And if his coach questioned him like Jim Schwartz did in 2013 with Not A Mutter, and you know, Reggie would respond to that. and And Reggie was great. And Reggie was a star. Like, that's the thing is that so often in Detroit, they haven't had like they've had stars, but they haven't had quote unquote stars that like hit national prominence, right? I mean, I think everybody understands that. Like, and, and Reggie Bush was that, and Reggie Bush had a thousand yard season. Um, but I, I, Reggie Bush was one of my was one of the people I enjoyed the most talking to. Um, and I did, by the way, the story I told during the break, I did tell him about that because he was on that call as well with Matt Leinart um he had jumped on right after so he had heard oh, all no. about that uh, and, <laughs> and, and we, had, we had talked about that one day um,
1: i, I will then, second i will second uh, reggie bush because i i finally get to at least second this just because i've I, he's like one of the few i've actually been able to meet i met him in la and yeah very very uh very will give you a piece of his mind
2: yeah absolutely i, yeah, I mean i, I just talk, i talked to him about something random and like he was like yeah i'm gonna retire like if i don't get picked up this like the rest of this year and like that became news nope. um I, I would be very remiss, however, not to mention a few other people as we're talking about this. DeAndre Levy being one. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I ended up having a very good relationship with DeAndre Levy, um, both in during his time with the Lions and then after. He didn't talk much with the media, but when he did talk, it was meaningful, and he and he he had things that were important to say. Yeah. Uh, so he would be one, and then a couple of other guys, Travis Swanson, who I mentioned. Earlier and uh, on this team, uh, Tyrell Crosby is another guy that I think doesn't get a lot of attention, but he's he's a really interesting guy to talk to uh, as well. And then this, I don't think this will surprise people because I think they will have seen the amount of stuff I've written about him. Um, But I would say the surprising one because he just never said anything is Calvin. Um, Mm. Calvin Johnson is, I mean, in retirement calvin yes i know he says what he says about you know and and that that has frustrated some lions fans although i will never understand why you're frustrated about that but like he he's great to talk to he is he's he is in retirement it has been very interesting whenever we have talked um we've always had very very good conversations um we, when I wrote about his Dancing with the Stars and kind of his first year in retirement, we actually went, and I think I, think I mentioned this at some point somewhere. Like, I mean, we went to, we had a four hour dinner at a steakhouse in Birmingham, me and him. And we just talked about everything on the record, off the record. And like, I mean, that was, I, he talked i even I think i joked at the whole point i'm like you've talked more in like the first 15 minutes than like you did in a year <laughs> but like that's just who calvin was that's just not Cal- that was calvin didn't want the spotlight then and you know in, in retirement i think he's really found uh, you you can see it right between the cannabis industry which between you know with primitive group uh, and what he's found there and then obviously going into the hall of fame and if you watch his hall of fame press conference i mean he was that that was that if you got that out of Calvin during the regular season, and uh, like you were like, "Oh wow, that, that was amazing," so I think from that standpoint, I think people don't necessarily realize, um, you know, Calvin Calvin may have been quiet, but like I mean, Calvin was awesome to talk to when he would talk, uh, and, and even more so in retirement. Do you have one that- more, Jeremy?
0: Uh, no, I think I'm I'm good. That that <laughs> yeah. Eating steaks with Calvin Johnson sounds amazing. Right? <laughs> like, I that I should was, be a YouTube show. That's
2: I ate red meat, by the way. <laughs> that's if fantastic. You know, at yeah, the very beginning. I haven't had <laughs> red meat in no, over a year. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, my idea is to tell you about Vortex Burgers in Atlanta. just gets just pranked. Sorry, man. No, it's fine. You can still go to bows get at least good burritos down there, good burrito chain down there. But you know, uh, you'll just have to let me know how Atlanta is. It's a fantastic city. I've visited I'm, I'm many many times so. i really have oh, uh, it is it's, i'm, I'm it's going experience. down there
2: next week actually to kind of find try to find a place to live so oh yeah uh, there, there's plenty like, of good spots yeah yeah, yeah, yeah just I gotta
1: I just gotta deal with the commute a little bit sometimes ah, but yeah whatever yeah.
2: I, I drove from ann arbor to allen park every day so i mean really okay. yeah, oh, yeah. I, I live, i've lived in ann arbor my whole time oh, okay well there I, you I, I, go. Love ann arbor. I, I will miss you know i think there's a misconception uh that i just mentioned really quick like that i don't I love the state of Michigan, um, as a state, uh, I, I fell in love with Ann Arbor, uh, Ann Arbor is, um, it's home to me. It's the place I've lived the longest, except for New York, where I grew up. And, uh, I'm going to be very sad to leave Ann Arbor and, and to leave Michigan because, you know, the, the fan base here is something that it's impressive because yeah, y'all have, I mean, Dan Campbell said it really well. Like you your fan base, the the fan base has been through a lot. Like they've been beat up, and you're still there every year. And I, I've questioned that. I've I've asked that question on Twitter. I've written about it. Like, how do you? Like, I think after the the Rogers to Rogers Hail Mary, I think I did an entire post about it, just based off of Twitter responses of like, how do you do it? Um, and that has always impressed me, and I've always been very, um, it, it's. You don't always see that, right? Like you see you see fair weather people and you see fair weather fans and you see all of that, but despite despite the heartbreak and the heartache and the and all that, like Lions fans keep coming back and that is something that you know, I always tried to uh, you know, my thing is always trying to serve the reader, right? And I always tried to serve that because I I knew that Lions fans cared. And um you know, that was something that you know, I'll miss too uh is my interactions with fans on twitter whether it was good bad or indifferent like it was most of the time really great uh but no i i mean i really i will miss the state of michigan i will miss uh a lot about it
0: well you're you're, missing i was gonna say you're moving to atlanta they don't have any heartbreak in their history the no no No, 28 to threes or anything like that no no it's a a college football town jeremy football town.
1: <laughs> um, we are going to miss you mike it, this is fantastic we, we we have great conversations um just because you've been a good sport i will not send the blackmail on to gianna kelly down in atlanta <laughs> you are in the clear there and uh yeah i think we're going to enjoy i am going to enjoy reading your stuff as i said Thank i, I like what you do on on combat sports i like what you do with boxing and um I'll just have to check in on the Falcon stuff every now and then too. And I hope they treat you pretty well down there and people won't get on your case for not being a fan.
2: Uh, I mean, I listen, I'm. I, I will, when someone asks that, I'm going to make it very clear, just like I did in Detroit. Like, you know, I'm very open about that. Like I, wherever I go, um, I may even put it in my Twitter bio, not a fan. I don't know. I... I <laughs> I may just go down that road, but no, I, it's been a pleasure and an honor both to come on this show, uh, the few times that y'all have been willing to have me on and, but to, to really kind of try and tell the story every year for readers. And, and that's, you know, what I get paid to do and, uh, what I've tried to do some years probably better than others. Uh, I do have at least one more lion story left. I think it's running tomorrow. Um, 30. so I'm, yeah, I think it is. Uh, I believe that's what's going to happen here, uh, and and I'm excited about it because I think it's a story that um, that people will enjoy uh, that I've been working on for a bit, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see what the reaction is to that, um, and then I may have one more after that. I don't know yet. Uh, that just depends if I'm able to get access to somebody. Uh, and if I am great, and if uh, not, then I will probably just move on from that story. And, not, and because I don't know if I'll write it without access to that person, um, yeah. But I'm happy to take a few more questions. I mean, I know we've gone for a while, but I'm I'm not, I, I've got nowhere really to go. There's no college basketball, <laughs> on. and like I said, this is kind of my my swan song in talking about the Lions more or less, except for like some random questions on Twitter. So if anyone wants to talk about anything, I'm, I'm more than happy and more than game to do it. Well, we're me, gonna wrap, yeah yeah let me let me say something before we wrap up the podcast and then we'll do some after podcast sure.
0: questions really quick because I do want to say something personal to you and I've already reached out to you on Twitter we've already talked on the phone but I'd like everyone else to hear it too because um, personally speaking um, you've meant a lot to me in the profession because when I entered the the, the press box the press room uh, in 2018 I was uh, definitely feeling a bit overwhelmed definitely feeling like a fish out of water. And you were one of the first people to kind of reach out, introduce yourself, um, kind of take me by the hand in case I had any questions, um, treated me just like anyone else in that room, which I didn't feel like, I, you know, I had some imposter syndrome where we were the first fan blog in, in the room there. So I didn't really feel like I didn't, I didn't know what the welcoming was going to be like for, for traditional media, because there is kind of that at least perception that maybe traditional media and, and blog posting don't get along. Um, you never gave me a sense of that at all. Um, and, and like I said, during the break, um, while, while people may have gotten to know you from your voice in press conferences, I got to know you behind the scenes. Um, you're more than just the guy who asks the tough questions. Um, (laughs) you're a guy who puts in the the work, you're a guy that, as I said, in, in the break, we get forty-five minutes of locker room uh, basically every day of the week during the season. You spend every single second of that forty-five minutes while a lot of us just kind of dick around. So uh, I have a lot of respect for you for doing that, and clearly it plays off. You you get to eat steaks with Calvin Johnson every now and then. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's clear, but yeah. <laughs> so I just want to you know appreciate I appreciate you on a personal level. I appreciate you on your professional level. You, you gave a lot back to the city in the past eight years. So um, I, congratulations on that. Really
2: thank you i appreciate that and this um you know and likewise and and i hope you never feel like that as far as an imposter syndrome because like the has changed and you know it, it's great because like and i have people reach out all the time and if there's any young journalists out here like feel free to drop me a dm feel free to you know to, to email me my email is in my in my twitter bio uh and i'm always willing to help and and pay it forward because i would not get i would not be where i am if it wasn't for the help of a small army of people um throughout my career and i just always am cognizant of that and want to help people who you know who want it and uh, you know who, who are interested in it and because that's kind of how this business goes and if you don't have that like what's the point you know i mean you know i know there are times i can be brusque and i can be all that i get that but at the end of the day it's you know it's a job, but we're all, we're all human. We're all, you know, trying to ev- kind of do the same thing. And that's, uh, you know, that's kind of there, but you know, that, that your words are very, um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to try and not get emotional. Uh, your, your words are, are very kind and I appreciate them. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I helped make you feel comfortable in, uh, in, in what can sometimes be an uncomfortable press room. Yeah.
1: We'll close up the recorded part there. Thank you all for listening to first bite. We'll be back as always with the mainstream pride of Detroit podcast, And then I think this month we are going to have some very interesting first bites coming down the pipeline that uh, me and Jeremy have been lining up some surprise names, some interesting topics. So be sure to be subscribed on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, watch live on Twitch and YouTube. As always, we say it, we'll see you star side You be good out there.